Today's episode is brought to you by the Natural History Institute, located at 126 North Marina Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. The Natural History Institute is a nonprofit which seeks to cultivate love and understanding of the natural world. They have programs for naturalists of all stripes, newcomer, novice, and veteran. All are welcome who are looking to deepen their relationship with the natural world. Please check out their website at naturalhistoryinstitute.org or head to their Natural History YouTube channel. Welcome to The Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Heather Yeomans is a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter, acclaimed vocalist, bassist, and actress. She's been called the essence of a Southern California singer-songwriter by American Songwriter Magazine. Heather's music spreads happiness. It's honest, uplifting, and influenced by a range of dynamic women in music, including Haim, Pink, Kelly Clarkson, Cheryl Crow, Sarah Bareilles, Alanis Morissette, Fiona Apple, Joss Stone, and Donna Massau. Through the years, she has written and recorded original music featured in Forbes, Parade Magazine, and the LA Times. She's also played on Top 40 Radio and in the movies Flicka 2, alongside country music icon Clint Black, Marley and Me Too, and High Strung, premiering at TCL Chinese Theater. She's open for Sting and the late Natalie Cole at a UNICEF event, and has sung the national anthem solo for the LA Kings and 20,000 fans at Staples Center on New Year's Eve. In fall 2020, she released the single Shine, channeling good vibes, self-love, and sunshine, and appeared as the tap dancer on Fox's new hit singing show, I Can See Your Voice. A little closer to happy is the next chapter in her pursuit of happiness as she continues to spread optimism and positive energy to fans. For the latest on Heather's upcoming projects, please follow her on Spotify and Instagram. If you'd like to learn more about Heather Yeomans, please see our show notes for links to her social media and music accounts. Hey, everybody. I am so excited for today's podcast because I have a new friend. She doesn't even know she's going to be my new friend, but Heather Yeomans is here, and she is an incredible singer, songwriter, dancer, actress, all of the wonderful things. She has a new song coming out this, what is it, Heather, this Friday? This Friday, Which will say the date for me just so in case this airs after the fact it comes out. Uh, So A Little Closer to Happy comes out April 23rd. Okay, so right off the top, April 23rd, no matter what you're doing, you're going to go onto your phone or onto your computer, and you are going to download, follow, like, and obsess over Heather Yeomans. So let's um, welcome, hello. Hi, thanks so much for having (laughs) me on. Let's start at the beginnings of you. Where were you born? What were you like as a little munchkin? Do you have siblings? What's your family like? Tell me all the things. I love this. I love this question because... Just today, I was I was posting about being from San Diego and how I rep San Diego so hard. Um, I'm a SoCal girl. I grew up 10 minutes from the beach. Um, the only two real things to do in the city that I grew up in was go to the beach or go to the mall. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> so that that kind of says a lot about me and and you know the lifestyle that I I grew up in and I feel so lucky to have been by the water like that. Um it I really is a, it is a really big blessing honestly. I mean I I think um well I'm in Arizona but I I grew up in Southern California as well and being a beach kid is really kind of a really neat outlet to growing up. It's just you just have a lot of time to think I think. Think I think you know, sure. <laughs> I think I think I I always go to the ocean whenever I need to think or just kind of sit with myself. And and that's been a theme throughout my whole life. I mean, some of my, my best memories were at the beach or near the ocean. It's like when I had my first date with my husband, um, yeah. just all these, when, when I got married, just all these landmark events in your life. Yeah. It's all by the water. So, so cowgirl born and raised. Um, I come from a very musical family. My dad plays the drums. My mom sings. My brother is a saxophone player in the U.S. Army. I love um, it. And then my other brother is a saxophone player as well. So, so there's crazy. three three Munchkins. You've got two brothers. I've got two brothers. So there's three of us, and I'm the oldest. And we just grew up in a household that encouraged creativity, like all the time. Yeah. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that my parents. Um, saw an interest um, that I took in singing in you know all the acting stuff and they really did everything that they could to nurture that I love it so for that I'm so thankful and they did the same thing for my brothers as well so so let me ask you growing up did you guys I mean you've got now you're a singer your mom's a singer you've got a sax two a sax player a drummer right and the other brother is also a sax, a sax player so two sax players are they different, yeah. like tenor, alto? Are they? Do they harmonize their saxophone playing? Like, are you guys? Do you, are you the family band? Do you get together at holidays and everybody jam out? You know, it's it's not like all of us collectively, but I sing with my brother, the the brother that's in the U.S. Army. Like, we'll we'll go out and we'll we'll play some music together. I mean, pre COVID times. Yeah. Um, and then. So I play bass too. So um, sometimes I would I would play with my dad, you know, who's the drummer, and that made the most sense. Yeah, growing rhythm up. section but right there. Yeah, we haven't all sung or played together at all yet. So really, it's I guess crazy. that's what I was asking. It's like you've got all these talented people with all this like cross inspiration yeah. to all your gifts, and yet you're like, yeah, we'll do that sometime. <laughs> yeah, we all kind of do our our own thing. My brother and I are super close, so you know, we want to collaborate more and make more music together. And then uh, my mom still loves to sing and wants to do a duet with me. So we'll see how, how that all comes out. But I love my family. And then I'm, I'm married to um, a professional guitar player that I met growing up in SoCal. We met in LA when we were teenagers um, ironically enough, he was my guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> True romance band style. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We, I was like 13 or 14 when I met my husband, like as a friend Yeah. and he's five years older than me. So obviously there was a bit of an age difference. So we were, we were friends for a long time and, and he played for me and, you know, my whole family knew who he was. And then one day it was different. It, it changed. Was, it, crazy it's crazy how life comes around and you know surprises you but absolutely I'm so grateful for my husband I make music with him all the time we're usually out every weekend especially now that things are starting to come back um and we'll we'll do a little duo thing so I love it 
Yeah, I've got a great family. Let's go backwards a little bit into what kind of kid you were growing up. So obviously you come from a musical family and obviously you play instruments and you sing and you dance, you tap dance, correct? I do. When you were a little tyke, like elementary school, were you already the kid that kind of came out going like, this is my life? Or were you a little bit more reserved? Were you a bookworm? Were you an athletic kid? Like at any point, did you think you would be something other then a musician or was it just like the arts all the way from day one? It was, it was pretty much from one. (laughs) There there were early signs. Like I would, I would sing the books at story time instead of reading them or speaking them. (laughs) However you want to, however you want to say it. And I would, you know, listen to divas live with my mom in the car (laughs) when I was five and we would sing all the songs and I had it memorized and she would, you know, sing a pitch and she'd try to get me to match it. And I would. So she, there were just little things that she happened. She was testing when your ear. Like, does my kid tone yeah. deaf or is she gone point? <laughs> or, is she, or is she good to go? You know, <laughs> I have to tell but, you guilty, guilty conscience right here. I do that to my child all the time because my husband is tone deaf. <laughs> and oh, wow. so I knew having a child that was a 50, 50, you know, like he could either yeah. come out very musical or he could come out very music appreciative, but not maybe gifted with that, you know, gene. Yeah. And so I definitely, from the time he was like two on, I was like, la, la, la. (laughs) If he could match the note, I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) thank God I'm not outnumbered. Oh, this is wonderful. That's so funny. So I feel your mom on that one. You do. You question these things. You're like, I just need to know what I'm working with. You know, I don't want to frustrate my child if I'm like, sing this thing and they have no pitch. So, you know, we're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I remember wanting to learn how to read so badly when I was like four or five because I just wanted to be in a theater show. I just wanted to do a musical. And, and I, you were like, reading will help that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, my mom was like, well, if you want to be in the show, like you need to know how to read. You have to know how to read the scripts. Yeah. And, and my, one of my, my cousin who's like, 10 years older than me she was like really into the theater scene and growing up in SoCal she went to OSHA which is like this big performing arts school Mm -hmm. and so I would go to those shows when I was like four and I'd see her up on the stage and I think I knew immediately I was like that's what I want to do like I I knew at like four years old it was crazy so I uh eventually got put into singing lessons just because it was so obvious. Um, sorry, can you Did, hear, I know you're going to edit this, but can you hear that? I know that. There no, was actually we background. don't edit it and I can't hear a thing. So you're fine. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we edit so, if there's like glitches, but we want just the natural conversation to come through. I have no interest in editing your, your words. Yeah. Yeah. Would you mind just editing that part though? Cause my husband, Hey John, I'm recording <laughs> walked in. <laughs> Um, I am sorry. definitely I start, keeping that part. I was very <laughs> distracted. Um, so did you end up going to the performing arts school? I'm just curious. Or, or did you go to traditional like public school and just be in the band environment or in the musical theater environment? How did you kind of grow up into that when you were like, I want to do that? And your mom's like, now you have to read, which is a great way to get your kid to, like <laughs> on the academic train. Um, how did you follow through on that in your kind of school career? You know, we talked about a performing arts school a few times when I was growing up and it was, um, even going back to elementary school, there was an elementary performing arts school in Vista in San Diego County where I grew up. And a lot of my friends went there and we talked about that. That didn't happen. 
Um, I'm really glad that I went to the school that I did because I, I made the best friends. I have two best friends I've known for over 25 years and they're just incredible people. Um, you know, and then when it came to high school, you know, it was something that I thought about, like, should I go to an OSHA or a school like that where, you know, all you do all day long is just performing and you're just focused in on that. Um, you know, but it didn't, it didn't go that way. And I'm completely fine with that because I was able to find a balance in everything that I did as a kid. Cause I was essentially, um, like a child actor. Um, so I did community theater oh, starting when I was like five in San Diego, Vista, California is a theater town. It's a theater town. We have a regional professional theater, um, this incredible amphitheater called the Moonlight Amphitheater um, that I grew up going to, that I've performed at. Um, and so, you know, naturally, I just had a lot of those opportunities around me um, as a kid. So I would go to school during the day, and then I would, I would try to get my homework done as, as fast as possible. And, and I would go to rehearsals and I would, I think I that's was, great. Cause it's good incentive, right? I mean, I, I yeah. think that's a really, you can go live, breathe and, you know, eat, sleep the arts. And I think that's wonderful too, but there is something to be said for learning the art and the skill of balance. And there's something to be said for having incentive to go home, get the work done and then go do the thing you love. Like, I mean, it does really yeah. teach you how to, in a, in a, inadvertent way, hit deadlines, get the stuff out that you don't love out of the way, handle it, be done with it, then go have your fun. You know, I do think those are kind of life lessons that come with a mixed bag, you know, scenario for any child. Yeah, totally. I mean, I really had to learn discipline because even at that age, I was juggling a lot because I would go to school all day, then I would have rehearsals almost throughout the entire evening. Um, And then as I got more into entertainment. Um, I was, you know, in the car going to Los Angeles. I, I was always doing something, um, whether it be theater or, you know, going to the recording studio. So I was that kid that was doing her homework in the car. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, somehow figured out how to do it. I don't know. And a lot of people ask me like, oh, you do so many different things. Like, how do you manage that? And I think it goes back to my childhood and having to juggle all of that when I was really young. Um, When I was 10, um, I got my first uh, regional professional theater show. And I ended up doing several shows within like like a five-year span uh, I played all the kid parts. I played Amaryllis <laughs> in The Music Man. I was in The Sound of Music. I was in Annie Get Your Gun twice. So good. Yeah, I was I was Nellie, and then I was Jesse. I played both sisters um, <laughs> two different times. You're like, oh, we've already seen you as her. So why did you play the other one? Like, now? <laughs> oh, you play this. One. Oh, you're taller now. Okay, play that one. Uh, <laughs> so I did that, and I, I played Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird. I I did more than like just the musicals. I love plays. Um, I did a lot of theater in LA and Orange County with um, McCoy Rigby, which is Kathy Rigby's theater group with her husband, Tom McCoy, um, who I love dearly. Uh, I just had, um, you know, so many opportunities to create and learn from all these adults that were the best at what they do. Right. And when you're like 10 and you're surrounded by those people, it's like, you're already a sponge, right? Yeah, you're so, soaking it all in. Yeah. And I'm like, so I, I just want to, you know, do what they do. I have to ask at that 
particular crossroad in your life, 10, 11, 12, 13, in your mind, did you think, because of all the theater influence, did you think, I may go to New York and do Broadway? Did you think, I am definitely going to be an artist? Did you think, I just want to do music? Did any of those thoughts come into your mind? Were you already shaping your future in your mind as a little munchkin? I think so. Um, It wasn't as apparent in the moment to me. I think at 10... I knew I just really wanted to do theater and whatever opportunity came my way in that space, I, I would have been open to it. Um, and I was, I was doing like film and TV and commercials and voiceover and I was doing like, I was doing so many different things and it's so characteristic of who I am now. Um, I just, I loved it all, but if anything, I saw a future in theater and that was until, um, I walked into a recording studio for the first time Mm. And then it was like, wait, <laughs> this, this is awesome. Game. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how, like, how I did my first recording session. I think my mom, my mom scheduled it, and she wanted me. She, I think that she saw that I wanted to do that in some way, which is really weird because I, I didn't really give a lot of signs, at least that I know of that I wanted to go to go to a recording studio and like record music but my mom brought me to one one day um and like bought time and it's like this little recording studio in like the hills of the San Diego suburbs it was so tiny um and I still have those recordings like in a file somewhere that's awesome yeah, to be able to hear was, your little like you know kid self singing. I think like that's amazing. Squeaky. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've I've always been, you know, the person growing up that had like the big voice, but I just hadn't grown into it yet. Yeah, and because I have a I have a big kind of like booming singing voice. That's the only other way that I can describe it. It's very full and rich and. Hey, you have a really warm and round tone, which I loved when I was listening yeah. to your music. And, oh, I, and thank you. lots of lots of goodness in there for sure. Oh, and a lot thanks. of um I think I think the thing that I that struck me the most about your voice was the depth of it, which I really enjoy in singers because it keeps it being from being one dimensional. Like even though your tone goes with your melody and this and that, but when when a vocal tone can have shape to it and depth to it, I find it so interesting. And you definitely have that character in your oh, voice. Thank you. Yeah. And I consider myself like I like to emote. I'm a very emotional singer. I'm very connected. To, to what I'm what I'm singing and what I'm creating. And I think that goes back to the theater background, to be completely honest. Um, because that's what you're taught. You're you're taught to connect with Yeah, because it's every, character role play yeah. in a sense. I mean you're you're enveloped in a character while you're singing. So, you know, exactly. if you're not connecting to that element, then really it's, you might not be as exciting to watch as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's all about honesty, right? And like authenticity and and being in a moment and living in that moment. And, um, you know, when I eventually crossed over to the contemporary music side, which was around the time I was 13, I went Mm. to an open call for a musical version of the 80s film Teen Witch, which is on ABC occasionally. And I ended up getting that that musical workshop and the other people that were in it um, have just gone on to do so many great things. Um, My friend Lauren Patton, who played Polly, she's nominated for a Tony right now for Jagged Little Pill and 
Um, this other girl, Sarah Nimitz, is in PMJ and Scary Pockets, and she's incredible, really, really great singer. Um, but that's where we all met. We were 13 years old. Love um, it. It's set in high school, so, you know, there are a lot of teenagers in that cast. And um, the people that were putting on the workshop owned a recording studio. It was a family that owned a recording studio in Los Angeles. Um, they still do. And uh, they saw or say, I should really say heard something in me <laughs> and, and decided to produce my music and would just send me songs. And they would say, oh, when, when can you drive up? When can you come in? Yeah. Um, their whole family is from San Diego as well. So it was really nice to have that connection. Yeah. They understood was, the the commitment and the commute. They understood yeah. you know, where you're from, your upbringing, your style of living. Yeah. And it's like, it was very familiar. Like yeah. they've always felt like family to me, but I think it's, it's because, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, who you are, you know, what you vibe with, what you stand for, but also where you come from as well, because there, there is a San Diego vibe. Like when, when oh, I, meet San for Diego, sure. LA, I know, yeah, like 100% now. So, um, yeah. And then from the time I was 13 to like now, I, I haven't left the recording studio. And during all of this, like I have a home studio, so, um, I just record in there and I've, I've been doing live streams from this place, Studio City Sound and, we can, there's like eight different rooms that are sectioned off and you can like see everybody on a monitor and hear everybody. So I haven't left the studio since. Um, there's a lot of things I can fill in though from like 13 on. Um, well, I was going to say, walk me through a little bit of your formative kind of high school years, your coming of age years. Yeah. How did yeah. you, you have all of this experience already for somebody who's 14, 15, 16 already? Where were you at as a, as a developing human, as a social butterfly in or not in high school? Like, how were you getting through those years, uh, keeping up with what you love, but also shaping your future? And at this point, were you a little, were you more uh, focused in your dedication to the arts? Were you more convinced, like more clear on the path of what you were taking opposed to just like, I love this. It's great. Were you more like career focused by that point? Yeah, I would say so. I was going to public school all throughout high school, like middle school and high school. So it was definitely harder to balance, but I was really, um, I really dove into the music industry a lot. Like I was every weekend I was up in LA. Um, and none of that I regret, regret. I feel like I knew, I knew where I wanted to go. And it became clearer and clearer as I, you know, reached the end of high school. But um, you know, there were signs, like there were things that would happen that would keep me going or make me believe that I was on the right path. And I think it's, it's really important for people to have that reassurance as you, as you go down the road. Um, so at 13, I'm in the studio. Um, I do this soundtrack for Team Rich the Musical, which is still online. <laughs> if you want to hear my child voice, um, I try to explain to people that, there's music on the internet from me from a very long time ago. <laughs> so just look at the date when you listen to it, because I've, I've just, for how old I am, for how old I am, I've been around for a minute yeah. um, as far as recordings and releases and stuff. And a lot of it is in the beginning was not stuff I wrote at all. Um, it's some, some stuff I co-wrote 
but yeah, so at 13, um, I got this crazy opportunity to go um, be the opening soloist at a UNICEF event head, uh, that was headlined by Sting and Natalie Cole. Amazing. Um, and so I met Sting at 13. I met Natalie Cole. Um, may she rest in peace. She was the sweetest lady. Um, obviously incredibly talented. Um, Sting, when I watched Sting perform at that event, uh, he was singing and playing bass. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. He's an incredible vocalist and it inspired me to pick up bass myself at that point. And that's when I started taking bass lessons. I took some guitar lessons. I'd always been taking piano lessons because, um, it's just something I needed growing up in the theater space. And, um, yeah, so I, I switched to four strings and never looked back. I play, I still play a little guitar and piano, but bass is my main thing. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, Throughout my teen years, I I had some music that got put in um, Fox movie soundtracks, which was very cool. There's nothing like that feeling when you're a teenager and you're like, oh, my gosh, my song's in a movie. I'm going to a yeah, premiere. I get huge. to walk the carpet. It was wild. So um, I remember flying to there was like one premiere that was in like like salt lake city or something like that i went to that one and i was like 14 it was just like the coolest thing to me i mean and rightfully so that's a huge i mean it's not as though everybody you know at school is doing the same thing you know what i mean like and even if they are that doesn't mean everybody lands the thing so you know that is a really big deal yeah it was it was wild were you at this point finding in your opinion kind of your own sound having picked up the bass and and having an instrument you were leaning into do you feel like you were starting to write in a way that was maybe a little more personal to you yet or was or were you still tending with with things like soundtrack songs were you getting just Mm -hmm. more work and i'm not saying this just i think it's huge and wonderful but were you getting work for your vocal sound where they're like put you on this song this song goes and gets pitched or were you already in a place where you were starting after something like opening for sting and getting to be inspired in such a way were you already saying i'm gonna write my own stuff i'm gonna figure out how what my thing is yeah, it was a little bit of both. So at that point, especially from like 16 on, I would get approached to to feature on something or to sing on something that would get pitched for a movie. Um, but, you know, in those like mid-teen years, I really was writing a lot and I still have all those notebooks. Good for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I look back on it and it, it's like a little Polaroid picture from that time of my life. Um, yeah, I was writing actually a song that I wrote when I was like 15 was in the sequel to Marley and me to like that soundtrack. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've always been the person that's had so many interests that as far as like my own sound, I don't think I knew at that point what that sound was. I think I, I did like a little bit, like I knew that it was some mix of like rock country and pop and maybe a little bit of soul. Like I, I knew that then, but I didn't really. Is that what you were listening to? What were you listening to as a teenager? And the reason I asked this too is because I think a lot of people with a musical theater background in any level, myself included, and so many of the performers I know and interview, there's this like fine line between where you go from these classic sounds Mm -hmm. and theatrical sounds, which are story driven Um, Mm -hmm. which I think give a lot of fantastic influence to songwriters, actually, because I think you 
just as you said previously, I think you connect with a character landscape that allows mm-hmm. your music to do more than just be a melody words. You know, it's like there's some arc yeah. there. There's some foundation there. So I think it's incredible training. But it's a very different sound when that mm-hmm. is your realm, when you're like, I love Les Mis and I love Rent and I love Oklahoma <laughs> and I love, you know, all the musicals you mentioned, The Music Man, you know, um, and it gets your gun. Um, that's a different experience than getting into a pop-driven world, whatever category yep. pop falls under. You know, you have pop country, mm-hmm. you have pop blues, you have pop soul, yep. you have pop everything. So mm-hmm. wh- I guess what I'm asking is where did you start to find your voice as an artist in those years? Or did, you know, had you not quite come into yourself yet? Like, when do you think that part of you started to bubble? I would say 17. Yeah. 17 is is when I was when I knew it was like pop rock soul like I knew at that point um, that's what it was going to be I remember going into the studio to record two songs and um, both of them did pretty well and then like ended up in movies after but they were like those defining songs for me as a teenager Um, the first was called typical guy and the second um, is girl to change your world which which actually did really well at radio um, enough so that I had, I had two major labels that, that contacted me when I was 17. Um, you know, it didn't work out. I'm totally fine with that. It was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a very after. common story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a very common sentiment. Oh, it didn't work out. And I'm just fine with that. I'm just fine. Yeah. yeah and it's like, it was, it was cool. It was a very exciting moment in my life because, um, I was pretty high up on the, like the top 40, like media based radio charts. Um, like, like we were getting a lot of like spins nationally and it's, it's, it's crazy when you're 17 and you go to YouTube and like people, all these people are making like karaoke tracks of your song and you're like, what the hell like, is going is on insane. in my life? And then like doing like radio interviews. I remember I would, I would be in between periods at school and I would like get on my phone and like do a radio interview. And I, I remember being... That's amazing. I kind of, in my mind, I kind of wish that you're on that interview and like the school bell rings and you're like, um, fourth period's, about to, fourth period's <laughs> about to start. I gotta go. Like, this I, like, I gotta great. go. That's the bell. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, um, not, I'm not getting another demerit from my teacher over this interview. Right. So. <laughs> I know. And I, I was... Um, I was a theater kid still in, in high school, obviously. Like I did shows. Like I, I was in a rehearsal one time and my mom like called me out and she's like, Your song's on like Radio Disney right now. Like you need to go listen. Rip Radio Disney because it's gone now. Yeah. Um that that was a sad day in, in 2020, I think. 2020 or 2021. I, I I don't even remember. It's all blur. But um yeah, this all happened and it was it was really wild and it was like this, like all this energy and this big like peak, but like Um, I think something that I learned pretty young is that like you can have some really great success, but it's like, it, it comes and it goes. Oh yeah. It's an, it's an ever flowing, even, you know, ebb and flow. Yeah, Yeah. it is. And that was, that's, I think that the, the hardest thing mentally in this industry is to, to keep holding on and, and to keep going. Um, even when you're at like maybe some of your more stagnant points, um, on your journey in the industry. And it was at that point when I was um, like 17, 18, 
that I was like, you know, I really do have other interests and I do want to still be in the studio. I, I want to sing. I want to do session work. I want to keep doing songs for movies, but, um, I want to go to college. Interesting. So, so even though you had this budding career already and you were seeing the signs of these, you know, big successful yeah. placements and whatnot, you, <clears throat> you knew you wanted to go to school. Where did you want to go to school and what did you want to study? Um, so I ended up going to Long Beach State um, in Long Beach, California, and I'm like the fourth generation in my family to go to that school. So that's amazing. Um, yeah, my dad graduated 30 years before I did, so almost to the day. It's wild. Um, so and he studied music and and business there. Um, I studied music as well as a music minor, and then I went to journalism school and I learned how to be a journalist and a publicist, and um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And, um, but I was like that kid that would be in college class and I'd schedule all my stuff until like 2 PM. And then I would drive to LA and I'd go to the studio and I'd stay in LA like all night and then go home, wake up and like do it again. Um, and that was just, you know, that was everything that I could do to continue what I was doing musically. To keep both things floating. Yeah. Yeah. And to gig and like, um, you know, I still did like some theater stuff as well, but I was like, I knew that it was important for me to explore all of my interests. Um, I had a teacher in, in high school that had mentioned that. And he was like, don't, don't feel like you, you have to get caught up in like one thing. He's like, you're so gifted in these other areas. Like, don't like ignore that side of your life. Right. Um, just because you do all these creative things and that's like going well for you. I think that's um, such valid advice because I do think as humans, we naturally tend to go, oh, I'm good at this or I have an interest in this. I'm going to tunnel vision it and just work my ass off, which is, has its own reward. But I do think in the element of balance, which is where we started with all of this, in the element of balance, being able to you know, evolve in multiple ways, even though you're going for a goal to still feed other elements of yourself is a really important quality to creating a life yeah. of fulfillment, I think. You know, and I surprised myself too. Um, it was a new, new space, new area for me to explore. And when I was 19, um, I was involved with the radio station at my college. I had this radio show called Heartbreakers, the Women of Rock, because I love my lady rockers. Amazing. And yeah, it was great. I mean, I just played like Alanis Morissette the entire hour. Uh, and it, it was it was wild. It was so much fun. Um, but through that, I, I met somebody that gave me my first shot to like do some entertainment writing. Yeah. And um Shortly after that, I used those samples to get my first freelance job with LA Times Media Group. Um, so for the people, I, I think everybody knows what like LA Times is, right? Yes. Sometimes I have to explain with like newspapers, like oh, this is like one of the biggest papers in Southern California. <laughs> You're like, do newspapers yeah. still exist? Yes, they do. Even if they're I, online, but they still exist. <laughs> especially if I'm like talking to people like under 20, they're like, what's yeah. <laughs> a newspaper? So I, I was, I was a freelancer <laughs> Um, I reviewed like all the national Broadway national tours that came in. Um, I interviewed some of my idols musically, uh, went to all the concerts. Like I had the plus one. I brought my husband. I mean, he was my boyfriend at the time, but he loved, he loved a free show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, think and, most, I think most people love a free show. Yeah. Especially when it's like, I would, 
I would be at like the Hollywood Bowl, like yeah. reviewing You're stuff. the friend that every friend wants to have because you're like, the friend. Can we go? Like, yeah. Like <laughs> my, my best friend at the same time, she was working for a big director in Los Angeles, which was awesome because yeah. it benefited me all the time. And she'd be like, oh, he's given up his, you know, box seats at the Hollywood Bowl. Let's go see Rady Hood. And I was like, you're the friend every friend wants to have. Because right? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You get to do all these incredible things just by being, you know, the tag along, which is fantastic. <laughs> it is. It's yeah, so true. And um, yeah, so I I spent from like 19 to like 23 um, just doing the journalism thing, um, really working hard on my performing. I, I see those like my early 20s and late teens to early 20s. That was a moment in my life that I really took a step back and I I tried to work on my craft as a singer because that takes time it's that's it takes so much time to develop your voice well and your and, voice doesn't even fully mature till you're like 23 so yeah that's so, right you're you're doing fine you're right on you're right on schedule right <laughs> yeah I would say like ni- 19 to like 25 I was really focused on that I was focused on like honing my tone like all those things and I, I was I did a bunch of casual gigs with my husband throughout those years and I would get to sing with like these incredible, like, like really seasoned professional musicians um, at like 21, which was wild. And you are who you're surrounded by. So it, it, it was like, I kind of got thrown into the deep end. I would say being 21, like on like pretty decent, like casuals in LA, like singing with just people that still blow my mind um it was good it was like you, you get thrown into hot water <laughs> well it's a really good learning it's a really good training field for sure yeah, you yeah. gotta learn and so um yeah throughout I you know I had residencies in LA with my husband like like I said we do a duo thing we got married like somewhere in between here yeah um I um I sang at my wedding too my husband played <laughs> because That's awesome. and, and we the whole band was like our friends which was great. Um, but, you know, through, throughout this process, I transitioned from being a journalist to a publicist. Um, I still, I'll, I'll write some columns here or there um, just because I love writing. But, uh, you know, I ended up working on like Fox movies, ironically, that was like my main thing in the beginning as a publicist. And, you know, I worked on the Rose Parade and for Dolby and for Target, like just all these like really, really cool brands. Um, and I'm just, you know, the through line for me is whether it's like the, all the creative like art stuff or the journalism and the PR, like I'm a storyteller, like right. that's who I am. And that's, that's, that's the heart the of the heart of all the interest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm a storyteller. I can't help it. <laughs> and I found all the ways to, to tell the stories and to, and to get that out. Um, and then now I'm, I'm at Fender. I do publicity for Fender. I've been at Fender for five years and it has been the most wild experience. Um, like I, the other day I was on a zoom with Niall Rogers. And <laughs> You're like, like you know, like you, like you do. <laughs> it was like me and me and Niall Rogers. And he was like, how's your morning? 
<laughs> at least like, he's thoughtful. You're asking me how my morning is. At least he's thoughtful. <laughs> it's far better he's than the a, alternative. <laughs> he's literally the nicest person ever. And then like I worked with Jimmy Page um, on his guitar release and was kind of the person that was when he flew out from, Lon- from London, like I was there. Um I now interviewed I, Brian Wilson for yeah. a Fender video. It's it's been a wild experience, and I'm very thankful for the legends that I've been able to like meet. And like, just because I'm a publicist there, like naturally, part of my job is to ask questions about them, right? Um, for background, so sometimes you know I can sneak in my my own question or something that I'm curious about. But I I really learn from them. Like even the other day, I was talking to um, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah. If, that anybody listening doesn't know who death cab is like please go listen and to um ben gibbard i think has one of the most like iconic singer songwriter voices totally um, i out there so signature you know exactly yeah and he's you know what he said to me he was like he's like i want to encourage people to even if you don't feel like you're ready share your art he said, he said that because, oh, I love that advice because it's such sage advice. It's like, what are you holding? What are you being precious about? Why are you holding on yeah. to it? We're not living in an era, in an era where it's yeah. like, you can strategize and you can plan, mm-hmm. but like, get it out, get it yeah. out, get it and out. I, let the world hear you have your songs totally. go into where they need to go. And mm-hmm. you don't even know where they're going to go because you're holding on to them. Get them out. I loved it, honestly. And that, that conversation was back in February and, and it was kind of in reference to like proficiency. Like people think that they have to be at a certain level of proficiency, whether it be like on guitar or bass or as a songwriter or as a singer to even like share that with the world. And he said that, um, that was something that like held him back at one point mm. in his life and he looks back on it and you know that's the advice that he wants to give um, other people that are creators that are coming up and um, it's something that I'm always going to remember and then the other thing I'll remember is when I was talking to Brian Wilson and you know I just was going through all these questions you know I was trying to get him to talk about his songwriting I'm like well what's your process and Brian's like very matter of fact he's like well starts with the chords melody lyrics very simple chords, melody, and lyrics. And he just like <laughs> plays play something on the piano. And it's, it's just like in the Brian Wilson way. Yeah. And, um, I think Brian Wilson is a, adorable and, and definitely like, and a genius down, a <laughs> genius and a really good human. Yeah. Like I really, I really do believe that about him. Um, and so, yeah, I don't write that way. So. <laughs> I, I, I mixed up the steps, you know, well, but here's I, the, the thing. Vocalist. I mean, I was going to say, and here's the thing, everybody's process is unique to themselves. Even if there's a similarity through anybody's process, the reality is a song is what comes of it. How you get there is whatever is going to identify to your spirit and what you're writing. You know, if you're as a singer, yeah. if the melody comes first, sometimes, you know, in that lucid dream state, the lyrics come first. Sometimes your husband's playing guitar and a jam comes and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, or sometimes you're yeah. picking up your bass and it comes from there, you know, I, but I think for him, I love that he's so matter of fact about the, he knows exactly his process. Mm -hmm. He's like this way every time, every single time it doesn't, it doesn't differ. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. Yeah, so let me ask you. So you wear a lot of hats, which I think mm-hmm. is incredible. And it sounds like you wear all your hats very well. Do you have, um, do you feel like you do a good job of taking and gleaning all this information from each place equally? Do you feel like one interest suffers if you're d- deep diving into another interest? Do you do it all? Does it rotate like spinning plates where you're like, this month I'm like so inspired by music. I'm doing that all day. This month, man, the journalism is where where I get to talk to these legends and that is the thing that is fueling me. And on this day, you know, I, I really want to go back to dancing, which we haven't even gotten into your dance background. Do, how do you, do you just find yourself in constant kind of rotation of your inspiration and your interest? Or do you feel like you just kind of do an even spread? Oh, it's a constant rotation for sure. And I like it that way because as a performer, we all have our ups and downs. We have times where we're, you know, really jazzed about what we're doing. And then other times where there's a little bit more self-doubt and, you know, maybe you've plateaued at one point and you're like waiting for the next big thing to happen or the next like cool thing that you're going to create and for me whenever I get that way I just switch right switch 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 and I just I keep coming back to it and I think that's that's kind of been the secret to my longevity in this and and the fact that I I do the work as a publicist so I don't have the added pressure on all the creative stuff Right. Um, from, from the aspect of like needing all of that to make a living. Right. Um, because I mean, especially today, um, that's no easy feat and it, it causes like, it can cause a lot Severe of anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. And I was going to yeah. say, I actually think there's a, I think the other thing that is so, um, impressive about you, Heather, is that it's your attitude around that. I've, I've talked to so many people that are like, it's A to B highway, my way or the highway, you know, and I think there's so much. <laughs> to be said for figuring out that you're good at multiple things, figuring out that you can make a living in multiple revenue streams, mm-hmm. different ways. And sometimes the inspiration and it's complete gung-ho on the music because it's there and you feel it and mm-hmm. it's organic and you want it. But then also going like, there's three months following that I'm like, yeah, no, I really like a steady paycheck. <laughs> like, And I'm yeah. still in the creative arts and I'm still taking in all this information. You had mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, when you're 10, you're such a sponge. But the thing is, is whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, onward mm-hmm. we're all still a sponge when it's a new environment that we don't fully yeah totally no if you're talking to a legend you don't know that legend you're gonna want to ask all the questions soak all the information dial in you know their advice and apply it to your own capabilities and I think that there's mm-hmm. something so beautiful about your ability to multitask your talents to be able to still, you know, pay for the roof over your head and the food in your mouth and Mm -hmm. your husband and you to go play gigs or to travel. And those are the things that make a really well-established, like you said, longevity career, but also Mm -hmm. a really balanced life. When you look back on your life, as you already have, you can be like, wow, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. You're not living small, 
And I think that's such an important thing for people to hear about, because I think so often Mm -hmm. we trap ourselves unintentionally. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Um, (laughs) it's, It's easy in this industry to defeat yourself before you've already started. Amen. I am guilty. I have been guilty of that. I have been guilty of, of thinking too small for my life. And it's something that I've really focused on, on changing and even thinking bigger and bigger because there are so many surprises and like things shock me every single day where I'm like, I can't believe this is happening right now. So I think that just proves to me that I need to continue to think bigger because if, if I'm, I'm really just like putting in the work and I've been putting in the work for a long time. And, you know, at this point, you know, I feel like we can have, this is going to sound crazy. We can have whatever we want. Yeah. I don't think that sounds crazy at all. I think that's how I, ideally, I wish that's how everyone thought. Yeah. I wish everybody thought I can have it all. I know, but it's like, I feel like we, we put up obstacles in our minds. Like we set limits for ourselves based on our, um, self-image. And I think based on our perception of what is successful, like whether it's this artist is on the cover of X and I'm not. Okay. Well, this artist has also done a lifetime of what you're working on right now, you know, like, so keep some perspective. Yeah. And I think it's the minute that you take those limits away. And that's something that it, it took me like, despite, you know, everything I've, I've done in my career up until, you know, twenties, I still set limits for myself at that point. Um, I think it, it really took some time for me to live and learn more about myself and grow, um, to be okay with taking those limits away and to even realize that they were there. I think that I think that is such yeah. an incredible point because I I would say I'm going to go out on a limb here and but it's a generalization <laughs> but I would say I believe most people that are living with some sort of anxiety is mm-hmm. because of limits they've set in ways they don't even recognize. They don't even know. They don't even they see don't even that they're the creation of their own stress. Yeah. You know? And you know, you know my husband has been somebody that has inspired me um you know, he'll say to me when I, when I go to a gig or when I'm talking about other musicians that I really admire, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that person's so good or whatever. Or if I'm in a room with a, with this band, that's like absolutely incredible. Um, he's like, well, he's like, you've like earned your spot in that room. He's like, you deserve to be there. So like, take up, take up that space. And also just to add on top, there's room for everyone. That's the other thing I that I think people for, you get in those rooms and you think, why am I here? Instead of thinking, of course I'm here. There is room for everyone. Yes, yeah. I admire this band that I'm watching, but get, there is a very good chance yeah. that I'm going to get on stage and they're going to go, wow, she's badass. I wish I had tone like that, or I wish I had a sound like that, or yeah. I wish I had a power like that. You know, we all we all yeah. forget that the grass can be greener for everyone on some, because we all long for or see what we don't have instead of saying, yeah. I admire what they have and here's also what I bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I... I really don't believe in the scarcity mindset. I don't. Um, I, there, you know, 
I guess if you look at, you know, the spaces that I work in, in the, in the music industry, it's like all the artist stuff. Right. And then it's like live music where it can happen. (laughs) Where it can happen. Um, (laughs) I don't even know how to like say that. Um, and then like session singing. And so like recently I just did, um, like a, a national TV show, like session singing gig. And, um, you know, I've, I've, been a session singer for a bit because I grew up in a studio. So like, I would just get like introduced to clients. It'd be like an an artist or like a DJ or like, I, that's, that's, I was doing like session work when I was like 18, 19. And so it's, I've always done it in this like informal way. And then like the other day, um, something really awesome like happened. I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. <laughs> secrecy, in but time, in time. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And I want to do more of it. And, you know, I I didn't at all have a, a sense or imposter syndrome because I was like, you know, this is what I've been like working for. And this is like now, now, like eventually you get to a point when you're putting in the work and you're giving back to others and you're helping other people, like you're, you're opening up yourself to opportunities. And so that your name will be set in rooms, um, that you never would imagine. Um, so, you know, it's all a part of the process and I am so big on community, especially in LA with the singer community here. Um, I, want to lift everybody up and I've been hosting these live streams at Studio City Sound I bring in my favorite singers to to sing with me in like an incredible band um because I I want to lift other people up and I'm always like helping my friends with you know the other stuff that I know how to do like you know if they need help to like market their single like that's something that I'm going to help them with because I I spent all this time going to school oh I didn't mention I went to business school too um that (laughs) was like oh by the way another another chapter of my life I went to business school for like four years um and like I was in school for a total of seven years while doing all this stuff um and growing but I try to take that like all that stuff that I've learned and I I try to help the creatives that I know well, and I think um, that's just a solid way to create, to live in community, create community, pay it forward. I do think our ge- next generation of artists that are all coming up, I, I think there's a shift in the winds as far as the way we, I think music is cyclical oftentimes. And I yeah. I believe that we're coming back into an era, especially post-COVID, which I believe has actually given us all a lot more silver linings than, mm-hmm. than people realize. Yeah, But I... I do think that we're coming into an era where people are remembering and as the younger generation is showing that music mm-hmm. is collaborative. Music it is, is a yeah. community within and of itself. So mm-hmm. whether, and it gets back to that thing. It's like, why am I in the room with these people? Of course you're in the room with these people. This room mm-hmm. is meant for all these people and everybody has their own God-given gifts, whatever they be. And no two people are the same. So if you have this incredible ear and this studio knowledge that you've had since you were 13 and you have collected this menagerie of great artists you love and also appreciate, for Mm -hmm. you then to invite them into your space and to showcase them and to talk them up and hype them up is only going to turn around and make them go like, oh my God, Heather's amazing. And on their next opportunity, I want her on board. And we want this community to be collaborative and interactive in a way that gives to everyone. And I think that's the right energy to put out into all of your work, which you clearly do very well. Thank you. And I just, yeah, I really do want to be a connector 
Um, and I feel like that's something I've been able to do a lot of even during COVID. Um, I'm so thankful for two communities in particular. So right before the pandemic hit, I was in a production of Hair yeah. in Los Angeles. And you've got great yeah. hair, so that's a, that's a win right, right there. Yeah, it used to be longer. I cut it during quarantine. <laughs> but Because um, I didn't, like, we, we were about to go into dress rehearsals, and then it was like March 15th, and yeah. we had to stop everything. Right. So um, I've remained very close to that cast. And we're, we're like a small hair cast it's yeah. like 12 people <laughs> um and we we all like did so much in the show and we would have these check-ins throughout quarantine to make sure that everybody was doing okay but um everybody in that show is insanely talented and I've seen like all of them pop off during like the last year it's like one girl was in the dream girls clubhouse <laughs> um thing like she she was one of the effies it was so crazy um Zane Carney is in this production. Oh, I know Zane. He's great. Yeah, he's the sweetest. And like, he just like released this jazz album that's like doing mm -hmm. really well. And talk about like another another friend of mine that I I just wanted to help with stuff like yeah. that. So I mean, of course, like I mean, I do PR for Fender. So um, <laughs> well, it's a like, direct tie-in, basically. I'm like Zane is <laughs> to reach out to like all these people because I mean, he's an incredible guitar player. Yeah, so exactly, it's, like, the right people to reach out to. Um, but. Uh, and then another person I want to shout out is Kenton Chen. Um, oh, Kenton's great. I know him too. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. We just did a live stream together. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that community. And that, and I did a, a TV show during the pandemic, which was wild. It's, um, I can see your voice on Fox season yeah. one. I'm on episode four and I kind of like shocked a lot of my friends because they didn't know this about me, even though I would like post about it, like. I don't know, pretty frequently, um, if, if they watched my IG stories, um, I'm a tap dancer. Surprise. Yeah. Um, and I've been tapping longer than, longer than I've been singing. Um, it was something that my parents got me into when I was a kid because I had, um, like a, like a hip issue essentially. Um, and Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Like yeah. most people are like, Oh man, I saw, you know, Xavier Glover and I wanted to tap dance. You're like, I had a hip issue and it was yeah, therapeutic. <laughs> It, it was like, it was a combo ballet tap class. So like I would go for the ballet to like help me. Right. And then I would, I, but I was really there for the tap yeah. <laughs> the entire time. So that's how I got into dancing. And it's just something that I've like always done throughout my life. Yeah, it's just well, one of those like rotating. And it ties into like your rhythmic mind. I mean, as a bass player yeah. too, you know, that's interesting and, as well. Yeah. And the daughter of a drummer too. Yeah. It's like, I feel like <laughs> the music has like always been in me. I've just, I've just found all these different ways to let it out. Yeah. Um, and for me, tap dancing is one of those ways and it, it just really segues into like just everything that I do as a musician. Like there are just so many synergies in everything that I do that I see it kind of like all as one. So it's like hard when people are like, how do you feel about this? Or how do you, how do you feel about doing just this? Could you pick between the two? But I'm like, it's all one to yeah. me. It's all, it's um, all under the umbrella. You're the parent yeah. company of all the arms. Yeah. And like a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people asked me, you know, in the, within the last 10 years, people asked me like, when are you going to choose? Or, you know, you're going to have to choose. Why? That's what I say. Why? Yeah. Why and can't you be like, an artist that might have a tap dance break on your stage and then turn right? around and go to Fender and make other cool shit happen? And then, you know, turn around know. and be like, I'm going to go do a session and then turn around. And I mean, why? Why do you have to choose? I say do I it all. I love your perspective on that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of I think there are there are people who 
I don't know whether it be like their upbringing or just how they see the world. Like they think very narrowly. And for me, like I've never, I don't really see a lot of rules. So I'm just out here like making my own path. Do you think that that falls in line with an old, for lack of a better word, like an old caste system, like the old, the old way that music was done where, you know, the era that everybody talks about, the big record deal era where superstars were made, where, you know, you had these mega people. Do you think that whole concept of be this thing or live in this lane came from some of that? And now that the world has kind of broken open into the internet and now that we have all been stuck at home for a year and people are going, well, maybe I want to sing something different or maybe I wanted. I mean, I look at Lizzo, who is, you know, this great pop dance R&B, like all these influences. And then she like whips out her flute. She's like, oh, yeah, classically trained on the flute. Suck it up. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like part of it has to do with how you grew up and like the community that you were in and and what you were taught foundationally um, about, you know, okay, here's here's what life is like. Here's what you're going to do. Like some people grow up that way and that's fine. I mean, there's nothing and I'm speaking from experience. There's nothing wrong with a nine to five. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a nine to five. And there are so many performers out there, especially now that do other things totally you know either by necessity or by choice and i i really do hope that the world gets better so people can really just do what they want to do yeah um but i i respect people for exploring their interests and you know diversifying their lives but don't I, just, you, I, I mean do you feel like it. it's changing i feel like it's changing i feel like people yeah. much like yourself are starting to say hey I do it all. And quite frankly, I do it all well. So go me, you know? It's, I think there's still a mindset though. And I think in the industry, I don't know. I'm, I can only speak to like a year ago because I don't know what, how the mindset has changed like now, right? just because it's been like hard to connect with people on those things. Occasionally I'll have a conversation with a friend who's in the industry, like on the performing side and and we'll chat. I mean, usually the themes in those conversations right now is like it's What's it's the happening? dawn of a, it's it's the dawn of a renaissance. Totally, like, that's what I, we're in for. Everybody yeah. feels that, I believe. Yeah, and it's sad. It was really sad to see a lot of musicians that I love like have to leave California or leave LA, and like, but I like respect that. Like, people did what they had to do during this time, like for their own. Like, I think a lot of it. For, for themselves, but also for their own, like, mental health. Yeah. Like, I feel like people just had, it. like, if this pandemic did anything that was g- good, um, it was allowing ourselves to just have time alone and reset and, like, reconnect with, like, who we are and what we want. Yeah, and I think as yeah. people come on the backside of that, and I think as the years to come unravel, people are going to realize there was a lot of growth, a lot of shift, a lot of awakening, a lot of open vision, a lot of uh, rebooting, a lot of come to Jesus's, you know, I think there is a lot of Mm -hmm. like the, oh, um, and filtering out a lot of the noise as far as, you know, like you said, if somebody had to leave LA for the sake of rent or what they couldn't do, and it was made more sense to go home and be on the family farm for a year, and do that, or I'm, you know, I'm pulling an example out of my butt, but, you know, if that's the thing, I do think 
year to two to three years down the road, that same person is going to come back to LA and have so much more to say after spending mm-hmm. a year with their thoughts on the farm, you know, that maybe they didn't yeah. give themselves yeah. time to think about. So to your point, both and. It's like, if you have to go do it, I respect that. Mm-hmm. If you can make it work, I respect that. If you can live in your solo artistry, singular vision, I respect that. If you can do it all well, yeah. I respect that. Yeah, and I think... um it will change. I think it is changing a little bit. I think that there's still this, even though most of the creatives and performers that I know in the industry, like they do other things mm-hmm. and, or they have a, they have another job, um, you know, to, to support themselves, um, while they're singing or while they're doing theater. Um, and so what, <laughs> you know, like, and, good, and good yeah, for you. So what? It was kind of a thing I, in the industry for a while where, you know, like you just wouldn't talk about the other job and like a lot of, a lot of uh, performers like wouldn't. And then I was talking to a few people like in the singing community and, you know, it kind of like validated what I, what I thought was going on. And they're like, yeah, everybody, we all like have something that we're doing that's not this. And so, um, I, I really, was uh was really taken back that and I was like that's exactly what I was thinking the entire time like I wasn't crazy but um with that said um I think that there's still gonna be this thought that in order to really to really be a performer to really be a musician that you you just have to do only that like there it's still like a a stigma like if you talk about like your day job it's like oh well are you all in right I still I still feel like that exists maybe it'll exist less after this right um so that's something that I feel like and maybe it's just something in my mind where I wish Um, the dialogue would be clearly you're all in because not only are you supporting yourself to do this you're yeah. also putting on a killer show. So clearly you're all in because you're finding a way to make the means to support the... To make it happen. Yes. Being an artist is not, it's not easy and it's not cheap. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have backers, if you don't have a label, and personally, I like to own all of my music. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> and, my, and my masters. So, I mean, or I, you know, if anything, if I don't own my whole master, I have a very, very small piece going to, to like a producer. Right. But um, I have that luxury more because I have this other nine to five job that can help um, help me create this art, you know, that's yeah. that's in my head, that's in my heart. And um, that's a lot of what I've been doing this past year is, um, you know, taking a step back and figuring out like who who I really am as an artist, because as like a session singer and a vocalist that, you know, I have so many musical interests, like the, the options are endless for like what I'd want to sing. Like right. if you listen to me on any casual gig, um, I, in like 10 minutes, I could sing across like five different genres just right. because I'm like, oh, this is what I'm feeling today, <laughs> you know? Totally. But it it happens and like my my tastes are very eclectic. So that actually made it more difficult figuring out who who I really am as an artist. Um, and I sat with that this past year and the music that I'm putting out, I feel like is the best representation of like Heather, the artist, not Heather, like the vocalist or, or the session singer or the performer. Um, it's, 
it's like the, the best way that I can describe it is sounds like Heim. Mm -hmm. Like if you love the Heim sisters, anybody listening, I'm a big fan of them. Um, it's just like, it's very like earthy. It's like a lot of warm, like powerful vocals, but it's got some like some pop elements, some like rock elements, some like more like some like country influence. Um, it's also like soulful and like a little bluesy too. And yeah. it's in its own way. So um, my artist project is a commentary on happiness, I love um, it. just because I am an eternal optimist and that's how I see the world. And, um, I felt like I really had a lot to say about the topic and, you know, I would just find myself writing all these songs and, you know, I'm not saying that I, I don't write sad songs because I do. <laughs> um, and I love, I love Nirvana. So, um, I'll, I'll do that. But, you know, the ones that really felt most authentic to me were we're all about happiness in some aspect, whether it's like happiness and like coming of age and self-love, which was um, my single shine that came out last summer um, or a little closer to happy, um, which is coming out April 23rd, 20, oh, 23rd. Perfect. 23rd. Yeah. And, and that, that song is, it's a, a realist view of happiness. So it's knowing that happiness is a journey and that you don't have to be happy all the time to be a happy person. Like it's okay to be sad sometimes totally. but you know i really find comfort in the feeling of knowing that um each day i'm getting a little closer to happy if i like focus on that and i focus on that mindset and just being grateful for for at least like one thing in the day or a right. way that i was able to step forward and pick myself back up and i think that's really like the lesson of the industry right so um yeah. And then I have, I have a third song and I don't know when I'm going to put it out, but, um, it's in the final production stages, but it's, it's happiness as it relates to relationships and, and finding the light and finding happiness, um, during difficult times. Because I mean, I think that, um, something that so many couples experienced during this pandemic was, you know, you're, you're stuck in a house with somebody that you you deeply care about, but you're not used to this new routine. You're not used to <laughs> being yeah. around them all the time, you know, and it really, and it, it was a hard time in history, a very hard time to be alive. I mean, doesn't really compare to, you know, Vietnam or like World, World War II, like we were called to stay at home. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I mean, it doesn't mean that it wasn't difficult. I mean, this has been so tragic for so many people. And um, that's, I wrote this song during the pandemic. And I can't wait like to hear I said, it. I love my, I feel like it's the most honest thing I've ever, I've ever written and probably the best thing that I'll, I, I've released to date. Um, you know, when it, when, when it sees the light of day and I don't know if it's going to see the light of day with me as the lead vocalist or somebody else as the lead vocalist. So We'll have to the adventure. The adventure awaits us. We'll find I out. I am. Yeah, I'm opening myself up to. I'm trying not to think small. I'm opening myself up to the possibility of like, you know, yeah, all, you being a hit songwriter and someone else singing it. Yeah, there's, there's. Well, that's the beauty of art in general is that it, yeah. it takes so many shapes and forms. And where you may have a success in this one category of art, you may also, if you're open to it, have a whole lot of success in another category of art. And it all comes back to coming out of the same vessel, which is you. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it may is. 
may I ask you a couple questions that I like to ask all my guests? Yeah. And then I definitely want you to plug everywhere where people can find your music and find you and follow you and learn all the things. Yeah, um, I love that. To date with the journey that you have had and with all of the interest that you have and all of the influence that you have and all the different things that you do well, what would you say has been a career high, but also a career low? It doesn't have to be the same thing. I just am curious what has been like a peak for you and what has been something that you got through? So I would have to say a recent career high was definitely being on I Can See Your Voice on Fox. I never thought that I was going to sing and tap dance together on national TV. I mean, it was it was wild. It was something that was like made up in my dreams <laughs> that became a reality during a pandemic. Um it was it was crazy and i've i've made the best friends from that experience um career low um i want to say in my late teens like the feeling of defeat that i felt when like there were just some things that weren't going my way you know i had like the label conversations that happened and i was just like oh i was on such a high and then i was like on a on an immediate low and i i had this like feeling of just feeling a little lost. And I think for being like 18 or 19, that's completely fine. But, and I redirected pretty fast, but it was, it was a low because you, you think that things are going to work out the way you want them to the first time. But obviously that's not always the case. I didn't know that at 18 though. <laughs> I appreciate that. Cause that's a, that's a life lesson that, that transcends all demographics yeah. all over the world. And I think that's one of the things that I love hearing people say when they talk about what their highs and lows are. Mm-hmm. The reasons always run deeper than the immediate experience itself. It's like, yeah, yeah I didn't know that at 18. So it was crushing. But here yep. I am and I've survived it and that's fine. And look at all these other wonderful things that have come about in my life. Totally. You know? totally. What is something you would tell your younger self knowing all you know now? So I wrote a song about this. <laughs> um, it's called Shine. I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Um, it was written as a love letter to my younger self. It was a co-write though. So um, some of it is influenced by my friend Maria Girona. Shout out to Maria, um, <laughs> who's an incredible woman in music that's um, a songwriter. And she also like works on the business side of the music industry as well. Um, you know, I struggled with... Um, self-love in a sense like I always I'm so hard on myself and I think growing up I was even harder on myself um and I I after like 28 years I feel like I finally have like learned how to love my body like I I definitely like in early high school struggle struggled with anorexia and it wasn't diagnosed but like I know that that's what was going on. And like, in hindsight, like I've said that to my friends and they're like, they're like, yeah, like we knew (laughs) you're like, Oh, (laughs) and I was like, and it wasn't like super outward, but it was when I look back, I'm like, that's what that was. Um, so I would have told like young, young Heather to love her body you know, your body is like something that just get, it, it gives to you. It gives so much to you in life. And like, it, it's, I make music with my body. I tap, you know, and it's, it's something that I've, 
I've just learned to love so much more like through these years. So that's the whole topic of that song. I definitely encourage anybody listening to go go to Spotify and give that one a listen because um, it addresses that entire question. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. What would you say has been and is now your definition of success? And is do you have a definition for success and has that changed for you over your career so far? I would say like on the success front, it changes, it changes weekly. I can't say every single day, um, but I'm always um, rerouting myself and my goals. Um, it's like, they're not stagnant. They're always, they're just so fluid. Um, if you had asked me that question like 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, signing like a deal with a major label, like getting a song in a movie um, having a song do really well, right? Like all that, all that stuff. And it's like, that stuff is fine. But for me, being successful is like being able to do the things that I want to do and to like be happy doing mm. them at the same time. So like having the balance of everything that I love. Um, and yeah, there's like material success and like, you know, goals that we all have. Um, but I think I just want, I want to really put out the most authentic art that I can. And I would love for as many people as possible to, to hear it and like identify with it. Like that's ultimate, ultimately my goal. And it's like, like, I don't, I don't think I ever want to be like famous, like crazy. Like <laughs> I do not. And yeah, I believe that it's more of a prison than it is a, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't envy um, those personalities just because, um, there's so much that I think they re celebrities like really have, like they learn early on that they have to put themselves second. Like it's pretty wild. Um, I mean, I've never, obviously never been in their shoes, but, um, I can only imagine you sacrifice you know, you got, a lot because you yeah. can't just live moment to moment the way you want to. There's always somebody yeah. watching or listening or caring or not caring or whatever the case may be. You're a business. I know. As, I, as a singular person, you're a business. Yeah. And I, I feel like when you grow up, like that's kind of the image of success for a lot of people or to, to kids or to young women because, you know, you, you grow up like idolizing these people. Um, yeah, I, success is so different to me now. I just, I honestly just want to be happy. I want to be happy. I want to create, I want to create music and do shows with people that I love and respect mm -hmm. and that I learn from. I love so that important. answer, Heather, because I think that, I think that's such a valuable thing to be said over and over to an to anyone who's willing to listen, it's like at the end of the day, we don't, tomorrow is not promised. We don't know when our number is up. And if we've lived a life that's full of happiness and, and fulfillment, then, you know, the rest really doesn't matter. You, all yeah. you take with you is your memories, you know, so right. make them it's good true. ones. <laughs> it's so true. So true. Well, I have enjoyed speaking with you so immensely. You are so lovely. Mm -hmm. And as you, you very well know, so talented. Um, please tell my listeners all the places they can hunt you down, download your music, <laughs> find you, stalk you in, the, in a safe, healthy way and admire right. you and enjoy you. Where should everybody be looking to find all of your things? 
Yeah. So there are a few places. I mean, Instagram is, is one of the, the first places you should go. Um, it's at Heather Yeomans, Y-O-U-M-A-N-S. And um, I'm posting there constantly. I'm also on Twitter on that same handle, um, on Facebook at Heather Yeomans Official. Um, you can also check me out on my website. That's heatheryeomans.com. Um, and then like, give me a follow on Spotify if you like just want to be up to date on all the newest things that are coming out. If you want to be the first to listen to like a new song, that's the best way to do it and to get updates about new music. Um, and then on April 23rd on my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash Heather Yeomans. Um, I'm putting out a music video for a little closer to happy. So Love it. definitely like subscribe if you want to be the first to see that. Um, I just can't wait to connect with everybody because, you know, this has been a lovely conversation and, you know, people have reached out to me from doing podcasts like this and, you know, I, I would like meet up with them and I, I'll say it like here right now, like I'm fully vaccinated as of two hours ago. <laughs> nice. If, if you're in LA and you want to find just meet this woman talk. Yeah. Like find me. I will, I will have a chat with you. I, I love meeting new people. Awesome. Well, I have enjoyed meeting you and getting to hear your journey and all your incredible awesome. And I'm really thankful you were my guest. So thank you for being here. I will, I think you just cut out, but she said, um, oh, wait, were you muted? Say that again. There you go. Thanks for, yes, thanks for having me. I saw your mouth moving. So I was like, I know she's still talking. I don't want to just cut her off. I am so glad you were here. Thank you for being here. And let's stay in touch. Next time I'm in LA, I'll come say hi. Seriously, just just let me know. And now that things are opening up a little bit more, it'll be really great. All right, lady. Awesome. Well, have a wonderful day. And thanks uh, so much. Talk with you soon. Also, shout out to Therese because Oh, she's amazing. She's like my bestie. Yeah. Yeah, she, she put us in touch and that's that's winning McWinning. She's the coolest person ever. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad she did. Thank you so much for today. Have a great day, Heather. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by the Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time. And let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. To get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming, your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.